This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Rosemary Bayer is a state senator in Michigan. She represents a suburban district just north of Detroit. Most days, she gets in her car and she drives west to Lansing. That's where her office is in the state capitol building. Except for this week. This morning, I uh, got in my car and immediately started driving north. Rosemary was driving north because that's how she gets to the town of Oxford. She used to live down the street from Oxford High School. It's still in her district. Just was automatic, just going there. So, of course, I've been there every day, so that's there's that. Last Tuesday, Oxford became the latest school in the U.S. to experience a mass shooting. Eleven people got shot. Four were killed, and all of those were teenagers. When I spoke to Rosemary, the funerals had started. I've gone to two, and uh, it's just it's just horrific. That's all there is to it. I keep having these episodes of, you know, just just flat out crying, crying in the shower, crying, you know, just it seems like as soon as I'm alone and I can actually breathe, I I start to cry, you know. (sighs) So I'm sure you all know why I'm standing here today. It is a terrible day. You spoke really movingly on the Senate floor the day after the shooting. You asked for a moment of silence in honor of the victims. And I noticed as you spoke, people gradually gathered behind you and suddenly the frame was full, full of people. Will all members, staff, and guests in the gallery please rise for a moment of silence? Those are your colleagues? Yeah, yeah, those are my colleagues. It was really amazing just to, you know, when I finished and turned around and everybody's standing there. And of course, that's when you crumble. And that's what I did. Hmm. Were they exclusively your Democratic colleagues? Yes. None of the Republicans joined? No, none of the Republicans joined. It is a longer walk for them. One of your colleagues, your Democratic colleagues, said that this shooting taking place in your district was especially tragic because you have been advocating for stricter gun laws for a while now. Yeah, it's kind of a strange coincidence. It's pretty important to me. And then there it was in my in my own district and in my, my own community. 
I wonder if this changes at all your thinking or approach. Well, it does in the sense that this isn't the first school shooting, right? It's the first one I've had. It's the first one like this that we've had in Michigan, but it isn't the first one. And what happens is you get all kinds of attention for a few days and then it goes away and then nothing changes. And, and we've just got to change the script here. We have to do that. We have to get control of this. Today on the show, you know how the gun safety debate gets shut down in national politics. Rosemary Bayer is going to explain how it's being shut down in her corner of the country, in Michigan, and whether this latest tragedy has the power to change things. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In some ways, the shooting last week at Oxford High School is familiar. But one obvious way it's broken from the script we're used to is in the criminal charges prosecutors are pursuing. They're charging not only the gunman, who is a student at the school, but his parents, because they gave him access to a gun. I thought that might be heartening for Michigan State Senator Rosemary Bayer, because she spent the last few years working on gun safety legislation. I was not entirely correct. Well, it's a victory in that they got charged, It's not a victory in the sense that the charge is not specific enough. We're concerned that it won't stick. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, even the prosecutor yourself said our laws are woefully inadequate to the task here. What we really needed is the laws that we keep advocating for. Um, The law that you wanted to pass. Yes, the law that I want to pass, the safe storage law that would hold people accountable for someone giving a minor access to a weapon because it's not safely stored and then something bad happens, right? That's a, that would be a felony. When, if we can get that passed, it's a felony. It's a straight up felony. It's very direct. It's very specific, much more difficult for a lawyer to, or a court case to work around it, right? It's very specific. Yeah. I mean, one thing we should note is that the parents say that their weapons, they were safely stored. So that's in dispute. It's something that will come out at trial, I'm sure. Can we tell the story of the legislation you introduced earlier this year requiring the safe storage of guns? What would it do? It First of all, it defines what it means to safely store a firearm. And then it, it says that if a minor gets access to that, then there's established penalties, specifically a five-year felony, if a minor gets access to that and something happens. So harm to themselves or harm to another person. It does a little bit more than that because the fact is a lot of times um, people don't safely store their firearms. They literally don't think about it. So this would also require the sellers 
to have people read and sign a document that says, I understand that I'm legally responsible to safely store this. And if something happens and a minor gets access to this weapon and hurts themselves or others, I am responsible and will be convicted of a felony. Hmm. So that they, there's no question that they were reminded of the law. <laughs> Can't back out of this in any way. This is a serious business. And you sign here and recognize and admit, acknowledge that you knew this in advance. That's part of the bill. What made you propose this legislation? So we uh, have been proposing safe storage and other very common sense safety regulations for years. And we do it every session. Now, some things are new. This week, we're introducing a, a, a new bill that um, would restrict the size of the magazine capacity. So fewer bullets. Fewer bullets, exactly, which you know, may have actually made a difference in what happened last week, to be honest. Does Michigan have any safe storage requirements right now? Nope. I read that your bill got stuck in committee. I'm wondering if you can explain that. The Republican Party controls the state legislature in Michigan. They do. Yeah, the way it works here is the party in the majority decides everything. They decide who's on the committees, how many people on each side are on the committees. So all of our committees are overwhelmingly loaded with Republicans because they're in the majority. So, you know, I have a committee where it's four to one. I'm the only Democrat. There's no chance of, and in fact, it takes two people even to get a motion to, to have a bill considered. <laughs> so, I mean, it's that bad. So first thing is the imbalance of people on the committees. But the fact is that the leadership in every committee is Republican and they decide which things get a hearing in committee. And we have never had a hearing on any of our gun sense legislation at all. How do you approach that as a legislator? Like, do you walk into the committee and you look at the four Republicans and you think, which of these people can I work on? Like, how do you do it? So in other topics, not anything to do with firearms. I do do that. I, I work with them all the time. I, I you know, know the people that are interested in specific topics. You go talk with them, you find ways to work together, and you can try to get things done. In this circumstance, and there's others like this, by the way, but in this circumstance, there's one person in the Senate that really does control this conversation, and no one will buck that. None of the Republicans will stand up and do anything different than the top-level messaging. Who controls the message? It's the leader of the Senate. The, the, the Republican majority leader of the Senate, his name is Mike Shirky, Senator Mike Shirky. Yeah, I read that the bill had no Republican co-sponsors. No, and it won't. Until until something changes, they're, they're, they're not going to go against the party line on this. Regardless, and I do believe that some of them do think there's some common sense reasons to do some of these things, but they're not going to buck that and go against the line. Do you ever have any like off the record conversations with a Republican where you're just like, we, we should get this done. You talk to your guy. I'll talk to mine. Like, we'll find a way. There's a couple of issues that you just don't do that. This is one of them. Huh. So I have talked with Senator Shirky, and shortly before COVID hit, he did agree to have a hearing. On your bill? On one of my bills, not the safe storage one. It was on the extreme risk protection orders, 
also known as red flag legislation. And it's proven to have an impact, particularly in suicide. That's where most of the data is. And that's kind of how I first got involved here. So that's one that he has agreed to do a, a hearing on. And we didn't do it because COVID hit like two weeks later and it got postponed three times. And now we're going to, of course, ask to, to have a hearing. I don't, I, I don't know that we would be able to get him to change his mind and talk about safe storage first. Probably not. When we come back, Rosemary Bayer explains what she needs to change the gun safety debate in Michigan. Rosemary Bayer became a state senator in 2018, which was a good year for Democrats across the country. She was the first Democrat to win her district in over a decade. Until then, Rosemary had spent her career as a computer engineer. And you can hear it in the way she describes her approach to being a lawmaker. She says she wants to fix things. But the problems she saw when she showed up in Lansing, they didn't start and stop with issues. Or even with partisanship. And Republicans have controlled the Michigan State Senate since the mid-1980s. What Rosemary Bayer sees are problems that go all the way back to voter education, basic political organizing. She still can't quite believe it, for example that people don't seem to understand what it is that she does. Part of the challenge in state legislatures, and I don't know if this is true in other states or not, most people don't have a very good understanding of our state government, of what we do here, the connection between things that happen here at our state capitol and things that happen in their lives. And so I'm new to this, right? My, this is my first elected office. Um, and when I first started campaigning, I didn't actually know what to do. So I knocked on a lot of doors and asked people what they thought was important. And many times I heard people say, you mean there's a Senate in Michigan? Hmm. So they don't associate it with anything that has real meaning. When they think of state government, they typically think of the governor because that's where the visibility is. So I do believe that outside pressure is needed to help people understand that the people you vote for are the ones deciding whether or not you think we should protect your kids at school. But when you say outside pressure, I wonder exactly what you mean by that. Because when I think about the debate over gun control, I don't think it lacks for outside pressure. I think that there are a lot of special interests here fighting mightily for more gun rights and more gun restrictions. Yeah. So imagine if you lived in the middle of the rural parts of Michigan, in the middle of the mitten, <laughs> you don't have any idea that the people here in Lansing are deciding whether or not there is any safe storage regulation. In Michigan, the polls consistently, even 90%, including gun owners, think we should have universal background checks, one of the most fundamental things, and we can't get a hearing on that. The voters don't realize, those people polled all over the state don't realize that the people here in Lansing are doing, making a decision that is contrary to what they want. So what if we had people in the middle of Michigan call their legislator and say, I'm only going to vote for someone who agrees with me on this issue, who thinks that we should have some protections and some just common sense safety regulation on firearms? 
And I'm not going to vote for you if you don't agree with that. Would you think that maybe we could actually change the script a little bit if we could somehow get that kind of attention? Yeah. It's got to be about voting. It's got to be about voting. It's got to be, I mean, lobbyists are great, but they're not reaching the voters. I wonder if you've let yourself think about what might have happened if your law had been passed, like whether it could have prevented what took place at the high school last week. I think any one of these probably would have had an impact. The idea of um, knowing that you need to safely store this or it's a felony, or could it be that um, magazine capacity was restricted and less people got shot? I mean, any of those things would have had an impact. (sighs) Yeah, there's a lot of ways to make this better, and all of them are, they don't take people's guns away, you know? Yeah. They just bring safety to the picture. I have a district that spans up and down our county in the very northern part of it. It's kind of on the edge of the rural part of Michigan. It's very rural. It's very country. Everybody hunts. And so you have to be able to speak to people who are hunters. Yeah. I mean, that, that my, my own family, everybody was a hunter. Most of the kind of the base for my family is a little bit north of Oxford. That is more the norm for me than not. And it certainly is the norm up there. And in fact, even one of the, uh, I was in a funeral home yesterday and the slides showing up on the screen had pictures of the, of the young man with his rifle and his, his deer that he got that day. And, you know, I mean, it's just normal. This is one of the children who was killed in the high school? Yeah. Yep. Wow. And, you know, they really they don't think of hunting in the same sentence as what happened, right? And it isn't. It's not. Do you find yourself in conversations with constituents who are worried you're going to take their guns away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What do you tell them? I tell them we're not trying to take their guns away. We're just trying to make it safe. And here's why. And most of the time, that's a good conversation. I want to talk about where you go from here. You You mentioned the Republican majority leader a guy named Mike Shirky, who controls really how Republicans in the legislature think about guns. And, you know, I read what he's been saying over the last few days. He's said things like the way to support Oxford is to give them space and to make sure that when you talk about guns, you're balanced. He said if we get obsessed with eliminating all risks will evolve into a country that we won't recognize and we won't have freedoms. I wonder if you had any kind of reaction hearing that. I did. My very first thought was, oh, your freedom to have guns tops their freedom to live. I mean, you think about it, right? The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's no gun stuff in that sense. They're, they're, they're so extreme on this topic, it doesn't even make any sense. And he's the same person who told the media that he was okay with the number of people dying of COVID. I mean, he's just got a different perspective on what life means, and uh, I disagree with it fundamentally. I mean, one Republican representative has introduced a bill allowing teachers to have guns inside schools, in lockboxes, but they'd be able to arm themselves. And this is in the wake of the shooting. Yeah, that is literally insane. And no no teacher that I've ever talked to, or anyone else for that matter, wants a gun at school. That's, that's a nutty idea in every perspective. 
But given the way the Republicans are talking about this issue, how do you strategize to push right now? Well, I have come to the conclusion, and I don't know if I'm the only one here who has, but as much as we will continue to do everything we can, I really believe that we need to ask for help outside of this place. I'm sitting here looking at the Capitol. So this this work that we do here, we have tried inside over and over again without a change in the makeup of the legislature here in Michigan. We're not going to get this done. You know, people could do that from the outside by calling their legislator and saying, if you don't fix this, I'm not voting for you. Or just don't vote for them. I mean, that, and people could do that. People could do that all over the state and, and really start to change the conversation better than any groups here or us can do. I know you worked as a computer engineer, an analyst. And that thing you described wanting to see, like someone to mobilize Michigan voters by explaining the ways that Republicans are wielding their power and and blocking legislation they might actually want to see happen. It sounds like a problem you know how to solve. (laughs) And I, I wonder if you think that's something that smart people, coders, operatives need to be tackling. Like, do you understand why that hasn't taken off and who needs to be doing that work? I don't. I, you know, I certainly don't know how, because I think if we knew how we would already be launching on that. I, I don't know if it's because we're Democrats and we tend (laughs) to, you know, (laughs) we tend to be a little bit more independent. We would have to work as an entire collective around the state to and it, to move into areas where we don't typically really do a lot, right? We tend to say, okay, well, that's a Republican space and this is not, right? Or this is a space that we could fight for or this, you know, we tend to not, but not really focus on, you know, specifically, these are polarizing issues that we could inspire and teach people why it matters, how you vote, even at the state level. You're saying Democrats are ceding some space here. Yeah, I mean, I think in our strategies overall, we tend to have places where we know we're not going to win. And so we don't try. And I think part of the issue is that we don't really know if we could actually change people's minds if we never try, right? We have to go there and talk about maybe it's education, maybe it's gun violence, maybe it's, you know, what are the, what's a compelling issue that would help people understand who you vote for can really make a difference in your daily life. I mean, I've had so many people say to me, why would I vote? It's not going to matter. It doesn't change anything. Hmm. I mean, just that fundamental thing, right? Well, here's here's some reasons why you might want to vote. Yeah, I know you probably don't want to say it this way, but it sounds to me like you have legitimate beef with your party. No, it's not that. I, I don't think it's that. I mean, the party is always working at stuff, right? So, and I know they have a strategy. I don't really know very much about what it is. I mostly know my own district and what it took to to change it from always been red to something that's actually blue. But that was hard work. And, you know, actually it was really different. It was a different sort of messaging. What was it? What was the messaging? 
Because it sounds like your party could use your approach, your engineer's engineer's approach. Yeah. And and you know what? Just even the fact that I was an engineer was a huge asset for me. Why? People like, oh, engineers. Engineers are smart. I like engineers. (laughs) It's kind of like that and very practical, right? And uh, so then I I would talk to people about what do they care about? And, And to be honest, since I got elected, I never stopped doing that. I continue to go around and knock on doors. We, we just to say, you know, how are you doing? Are we working on the right things? What do you think we should be doing? You know, it makes a huge difference when you talk to voters like that, I will say. And I, you know, went to the northern parts of the territory, which have always, always, always been Republican and got votes up there for talking to them. Same thing as the conversation about guns, just talking. And listening makes a huge difference. Since you used to live in Oxford, is there anything you want us to know about it? Like a memory you have? I mean, you're seeing your town be represented all over the news. And I know it can feel like you're losing control over like the idea of your place. <laughs> it's the classic small town America. You know, it's... It's got this cute little downtown, right, with restaurants, and you, there's always some kind of little event or celebration. In fact, last week was supposed to be the soup and stroll, where you would walk around the downtown and the vendors, stores and restaurants would have little cups of soup that you could take with you to walk around. I mean, it's just, and it's the home of the Lone Ranger, the real one. (laughs) Really? The first real Lone Ranger. And so every year they have the Lone Ranger parade. Honestly, yeah, I mean, it's just this coolest little place. It really is. And it will be again. It's It's a beautiful place. Senator Baer, I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. This has been wonderful. Nice to meet you. Rosemary Bayer is a state senator in Michigan. She is the chair of her legislature's Gun Violence Prevention Caucus, and her district includes the town of Oxford and Oxford High School, which was the site of a mass shooting last Tuesday. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, and Mary Wilson. We are led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. Stay tuned to this feed tomorrow. Lizzie O'Leary will be here with What Next TBD. And I will catch you back in this feed on Monday. <laughs> 